Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every week. We talk movies, TV, comics, movies. Again, I'm going to say that again because that seems to be our big draw. Um, we do this weekly every uh, well every week because that's what weekly is. You can tell I'm a little burnt out from the show. Just got back from New York Comic Con this week. Um, you know, doing doing the Comic Con thing is is really fun and interesting. And we have a great guest on tonight who's um, uh, going to talk New York Comic Con aftermath. Um, it's uh, Derek Becker. He he runs a uh, podcast called Pros, Comic Pros and Cons, which is is pretty awesome. Um, we're also going to talk Power Rangers. We're going to talk Walking Dead trailer and more uh, as we kind of dive in. We do this every week. Like I said, it's a fun place. Come join us. We're periscoping live. We've got Espada Primera Stark who just joined us on the Periscope feed. Love that guy. I'm assuming it's a guy, actually, now that I think about it. I actually don't even know. But, um, um, sup? He's in. He's back. That's what we like to see. So we do this everywhere. We do this on Facebook. We do this on, um, you know, Secrets of the Sire. Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. We also do this on, uh, like I said, Periscope. You Periscope my name. I'm your host, Michael Dolce. My uh, my Twitter handle is Michael underscore Dolce, and that is also my, uh, my Periscope handle. Uh, we got a great show for you today. We really do. I mean, just so much stuff going on um, with New York Comic Con. It's just ended. I, I it, it drains so much out of me for four days. I'm sitting behind a table at a booth, um, but it's really cool. It's, it's, it's definitely become the mecca I think of the Comic Cons, at least now I can say, comparatively speaking, having done San Diego as an exhibitor this year, having done New York Comic Con as an exhibitor, I'm usually an exhibitor every year at New York Comic Con, I could say it's definitely taken over. Uh, the energy is palp- more palpable, the aisles are more crowded, uh, there's definitely a lot more feel. Now, New York Comic Con is kind of doing something that San Diego did, which was to branch out. Uh, they they've done panels outside before, but this is the first year where it really really uh, took effect. Though they had panels out in um, yes, and get a print from Michael Dolce. That's what Craig Caruso just said, which you can actually still do. And I'll I'll, I'll pimp my stuff a little bit later on. But I uh, did a Baby Bombers print uh, exclusive, sold really well. Got a few left, so if you're interested in all, uh, go check out. Um, Jeez, I don't even know where the heck to check it out. Just go face, just go find me on Facebook right now, and uh, and message me via Secrets of the Sire because uh, uh, they're actually going pretty fast. I have only a few left there, uh, but yeah, th- this is the first year they actually have it at the Hammerstein Ballroom. They have it at, um, and they had the entire. Uh, Walking Dead panel at Madison Square Garden, which wasn't that bad. It was a 5.30 panel. So, I mean, if you're going, if even if it was housed within the convention center itself, if you're at that Walking Dead panel, it's pretty much the last thing you're doing on that Saturday anyway. So, uh, they actually had uh, uh, West 36th Street, the home for BookCon at New York City, uh, at New York Comic Con. So, they really, really spread it out. They did a lot of really cool panels. They did a lot of really cool uh, things and we're going to talk about all of them. We're going to talk about the highlights in New York Comic Con. Uh, one said highlight was the Power Rangers movie. Now, the Power Rangers movie uh, is basically look. We all know what the Power Rangers were back in the '90s. Now, I was a little bit o- older than that. My 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 curve was the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was my uh, you know big phenomenon thing. I was fifth grade when uh, Ninja Turtles, actually fourth grade when Ninja Turtles came out, fifth grade when it blew up, sixth grade, and by seventh grade, you know, the fade, the fad had kind of passed on and Power Rangers became the next thing. I, of course, was interested in girls. They weren't interested in me, but that's you know, a whole other story. And uh, at that point, you know, we started talking about um, 
you know, the, the kids then would talk about Power Rangers and that was their big thing. Power Rangers was a big, like, campy, cushy, I mean, it was, I mean, it was really, it was like watching a Godzilla movie on TV, I mean, right? I mean, all the monsters were just horrific puppets and, you know, the Pink Ranger and this, this Ranger and that Ranger, really, really... Again, a twelve or thirteen year old as I was when it was popular at that point, it was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm good. Um, but now there's the new movie out, and um, it's coming out, and it's got, it's got something that's a, it's got big name stars in it. You've got Brian Cranston and Elizabeth Banks. I mean, these are these are two bankable stars. Uh, and Craig Caruso says, easy with the Power Ranger comments. No, no, everyone enjoys what they enjoy and, uh, and enjoys what they love. So I don't, uh, I don't. Uh, judge anyone i mean especially look if you were in that age group too when it was coming out i mean uh, i I know craig craig was a few years younger than me so that would line up almost identical to i was into ninja turtles at that same age he was into power rangers that was the big thing i mean there's no no question about it look it was it was campy um and Espada Primera Stark says the new movie looks more like Giver. Yes. Well, that's what we're kind of getting into. There's an article from The Guardian, and the headline was, Why So Serious? Power Rangers' first trailer ditches the kitsch. U.S. Japanese TV show was a preposterous neon pantomime about morphing school-age ninja superheroes. So why does the new film look so angsty? And, uh... They, they start off by saying, there is something off-kilter about the idea of a Power Rangers movie with a budget of $150 million starring, for goodness sake, Hollywood big hitters such as Breaking Bad's Brian Cranston and Elizabeth Banks. This could never have happened before the current explosion of comic book movies and the debut teaser trailer for Dean Israelite's 2017 movie leaves us wondering whether a big-budget take on the long-running TV show might be the worst idea since Josh Trank's dark and brooding Fantastic Four last year. So let me stop you first right there. The Fantastic Four, the first hour of that movie, is awesome and excellent. It does get a little broody. It does get a little dark. But, I mean, if anybody has actually read up on that movie, the the director is kind of insane. And he kind of went a little nuts, and people ended up having to go in and actually like re-edit and recut. Uh, definitely, definitely a lot of like crazy, crazy things. Craig Crusoe comments in the Rangers as humans should not have powers. My biggest problem with the trailer: this is not Chronicle. Okay, so that's again where the Fantastic Four comparison comes in. Fantastic Four, though, as a reboot, could have been excellent. Uh, the first hour is excellent. The problem starts forming when you realize they didn't have an ending and they didn't know what to do and they basically fired the director midway through uh, the closing editing you know, uh, time. So that's really where they kind of screwed up there. So let's leave Fantastic Four out of it. Let's frame this in a much better light. Is Power Rangers Batman v Superman? Okay? I mean, is that essentially the problem, right? I mean, Batman v Superman has iconic characters and and again to an entire generation power rangers are iconic do i love the idea of them going dark and gritty or or more realistically gritty yes why because i'll watch it if it's if it's a look there's a reason why you haven't watched a plastic puppet godzilla movie in in like 30 years Uh, there's, there's a reason right we have technology we have things we can we can do to make things more entertaining and better and awesome so by all means i'm i'm all for it now Good comment here from Michael Momano, who uh, actually a former classmate of mine, a long time in college. He was a huge Power Rangers fan. He actually, in college, wrote a Power Rangers treatment because he was actually going to turn this into 
the movie. He wanted to basically do Buffy with Power Rangers, and, and he was a big Buffy fan, and I was a big Buffy fan, so it makes, makes total sense. But he wrote in, I would argue there's a world of difference between cranking the dial on something all the way to grimdark and merely grounding something loud and silly in some kind of emotional character reality. BVS took already complex, psychologically nuanced characters and turned them into moody, broody psychopaths. The Power Rangers movie is taking lollipop caricatures of adolescents and turning them into actual kids. I suggest a false equivalency. To that I wrote, true, but I think it could affect box office by taking a property many remember as camp and reimagining it based in gritty real time. As long as it's good, however, it won't matter. And that's I think that's the biggest point, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you've got some heavyweight star power. You have, look, Brian Cranston's a tremendous actor. Elizabeth Bank... Banks is no slouch herself. She's been in a ton of movies. She's very. She's just a seasoned actress. Uh, she was in the Hunger Games films, where she was obviously, you know, very kind of like boisterous and over the top. So I think I think they really nailed it with that. And I think the kids will be kind of, you know, look. At the end of the day, as long as they can do martial arts and they're kind of like funny and the banter is good, you know, the reason Batman versus Superman tanked was it just wasn't a good movie you know it's the same problem with fantastic four right i mean fantastic four at the end of the day is it had no ending if you have no ending how are you supposed to actually you know be a good movie you're not it's not gonna happen so i think in that in that regard uh the guardian is a little off um, but they continue, you know, those early Power Rangers TV shows were fabulously kitsch in the way that the terrible out of sync dubbing somehow added to the eccentric thrill of the Shaw Brothers martial arts movies. Um, Machigo Sogo's cackling over caffeinated Rita Repulsa came straight out of Weirdsville because she's a straight lift from Super Sentai, but dubbed by an American voiceover artist who naturally handed up to high heaven. Uh, the creators of Super Sentai clearly had a wonderfully eccentric Japanese approach to character design, and some of the Rangers' other monstrous opponents were nothing like we would ever expect to see them on Western screens. My personal favorite from the current TV series is Venomous Sweetie Poisendra, an evil alien who appears to have been constructed entirely out of cutesy pink candy wrappers and colorful helium balloons. I, so, again, the Guardian, the Guardian is really, look, at the end of the day, I want to know what you guys think. I really do. So, reminder that this is a call-in show, so you can call us in, 877-480-4120. Uh, we're live for the next hour, so definitely tune in. The more you guys interact, the better this show is going to become, because I am tired. I'm not going to lie, you guys. I mean, you can kind of see me on the Facebook stream, which is facebook.com slash secrets of the sire, the Periscope feed, at Michael underscore Dolce. I am I am just not recovered. I am an old man now. I think that's the problem. Everyone's like, "Oh, you're young. You're you're like 36." I'm like, "That is old, dude. I'm done. Like, it's over. It's it's over. I can't do these things." Uh, welcome at Goffman Moscow. Maybe someone from Russia joining in wants to chime in on the Power Rangers. You can always comment in. I'll I'll uh, I'll announce you. Um, one of the things we want to do is is announce that the uh, Secrets of Sire is brought to you by all of our beloved patrons. We've dedicated fans Einar Peterson and H- Ashley Haikai. Our program director, Stephanie Dolce, our executive producers, Steve Hovecki and Brian Phillips, and our Uber fan, Christina Dolce, who is my wife, who's awesome, uh, who loves tuning into the show as well, too, uh, assuming our son is asleep now, because that sometimes factors in as well. Uh, so, yeah, so call in 
877-480-4120. And then Melissa Wong actually chimed in. She is also tired. She was at the show. She was at New York Comic Con. It was definitely a monster show. It's just, it's a lot to be on your feet. It's a lot to take in. Definitely not an easy thing to do. So we talked about Power Rangers movie, but coming up next, I want to hear your thoughts. So chime in. I'll try to grab as many comments as I can. Uh, Another big panel, which is always a big panel, is the Walking Dead panel. And my question being, uh, oh, the channel is TalkingAlternative.com. We had a Goffman Moscow uh, tuning in and asking that. So you can always listen to the show, TalkingAlternative.com. It's uh, Talking Alternative Broadcasting Network. So we are live on the interwebs, as I like to say it. If you would like to be live on the interwebs, go to my Patreon page. Go to MichaelDolce.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-D-O-L-C-E.com. Before we go to commercial, Walking Dead panel Showed a sneak peek. The the video's live out there now, too. Uh, the season seven premiere. And hi from Moscow. Thank you. And um, But did it show too much? Can you figure out from the panel, from the screening, who it is that actually gets it? We talk about that next. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21stCE Radio or Talk Alternative. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. So I heard things just haven't gone as planned. Oh, if you guys like the music, it's awesome music. We're actually going to have the bass player on in a month from now. He actually hosts his own uh, radio show and podcast, Hassan Godwin. Uh, he'll be on. If you like the music, actually, become a Patreon uh, patron because I'm going to be releasing some of those tracks in its full entirety. Or you can go to our SoundCloud page. You can catch some of them on there, soundcloud.com slash Secrets of the Sire. Okay, we were talking Power Rangers, dark and brooding, and now we are switching over a little bit uh, over to Walking Dead, dark and brooding as well, too. But uh, keep those keep those comments coming in about... Um, uh, Power Rangers. I want to hear your thoughts. Is it is it is it too crazy? Is it too um, you know too dark? Um, you know that kind of thing. And and we're going to talk about all this stuff too. We have a great guest coming up on the third segment. His name's Derek Becker. We're going to be dishing on all this stuff here. But um, in next week, we actually have one of the guys who works on the Walking Dead comic. He's going to be joining us on the show. So we're going to talk spoilers there. So we're not going to get into too much detail on Walking Dead this week. We're going to save it for next week um, before the show airs in two weeks. 
But the one question I did want to ask, though, is if anybody's seen the panel out there. So originally in the first segment, we talked about Power Rangers. Is it too dark? Did The Walking Dead give away too much? Because apparently, thanks to the splash of blood on Rick's face. Now, again, for anybody, the backstory going in, spoiler alert, um, someone from Walking Dead is going to die. Uh, which is not really much of a spoiler alert. Uh, it happens often, and some, you know, oftenly, uh, oftenly. I just made that word up. See, that's the kind of vocabulary that I'm, I'm, sp- you know, spouting five days after the show ends. Uh, Walking Dead is famous for killing people off when people least suspect it, and that's one of the reasons it's as popular as it is because, you know, it it definitely gives it a flavor of you know anything can happen, and and and. It makes you. It, it's must see TV. You can't DVR The Walking Dead because, much like Game of Thrones, you can't game. You can't DVR Game of Thrones. You can. You can. You can definitely. Oh, hello from Sweden to at Hudhod. Uh, you can definitely ga- DVR Game of Thrones, and you could definitely DVR Walking Dead. But then you have to walk around with like, you know, dark sunglasses. So you can't see anything. You need like, you know, headphones that mute out the entire world. You need to be disconnected. You need to throw your phone away. You don't have to be that extreme because the phones are kind of expensive these days. But that's what you need to do if you're going to miss an episode of Walking Dead or an episode of Game of Thrones. So Walking Dead ended on a spoiler. Someone's going to die. We don't know who it is. It's based off of Walking Dead 100. Uh, I I won't spoil that even though that issue's been out and you could Google it and you could do all kinds of great things. You could actually probably download it illegally right now. You can go to Comixology and you can get it. You can find out who dies in the comics. But the question is, as they've done... They don't always kill off the same person in the comics as they do in the show. So there really is this lingering question. Who are they going to kill off? Who is the one? Some people say maybe two people. Maybe they're actually going to kill two people off. Um, Running theory, you know, running around there. Would they dare kill off uh, Norman Reedus' character? Uh, I mean, people have, I mean, he is, Daryl is so popular there is no way that they would kill him off, or is there? I mean, would they would they do it? Look, at some point, you know, no, well, Norman Reedus doesn't have anything else really going on, so I guess you know he's got that motorcycle show. But there you go, he's got that motorcycle show. That's a theory. He's got a new show on AMC, maybe to make up for the fact that he's not going to be on another show from AMC. Uh, but anyway, from the circle of death, which is essentially what it is, Negan um, uh, comes into uh, comes into uh, you know. Onto screen, played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who was, you know, awesome in that role, and he essentially beats to death one of these guys or girls. And one fan speculates that due to the angle of the blood that ricochets onto Rick Grimes' face, he can tell exactly who's going to die. So, did they give it away? I don't want to go too much into detail. I just thought that was a fun uh, Easter egg kind of thing because, at the same time, it's like, I mean, some people are really, really analyzing this stuff. I mean, really super analyzing this stuff. And, and maybe, it's, maybe it's good, maybe it's not. All right, we've been talking Power Rangers. We've been talking Walking Dead. John Wick was another thing that uh, debuted. Their trailer debuted at New York Comic Con. And, and John Wick 2, uh, it's the sequel. So now we have more John Wick, uh, Keanu Reeves. But the cool part about this I thought was, was kind of neat is uh, Lawrence Fishburne is actually in this movie now. So you got a little Matrix reunion going on. Uh, in the new John Wick 2 sequel, and uh, this is the official synopsis for John Wick Chapter 2. Keanu Reeves returns in the sequel to the 2014 hit as legendary hitman John Wick, who is forced back out of retirement by a former associate plotting to seize control of a shadowy international assassin's guild. Bound by a blood oath to help him, John travels to Rome, where he squares off against some of the world's deadliest killers. 
Look, I love Keanu Reeves. I, I I loved the original John Wick movie. It was so out of left field that it became a hit. And have you ever seen the trailer? And and I'm joined as always by my trusty engineer Sam. Um, you ever see the you ever see the the YouTube video where Keanu Reeves is on the subway in New York, and uh, he is literally just riding the subway, and he's like, "Hey, I'm Keanu Reeves. I'm going to ride the subway. I, I don't care." And like a pregnant lady walks in and he literally just gives up a seat, sits down. Pregnant lady doesn't even know who he is. You can tell no one kind of knows. The guy filming knows who it is. Like it's kind of coming out of the corner of somebody's camera. So he's filming this entire thing. Canaries is a stand-up dude. And he talked about this a long time, how, um, you know, he was the it guy in the 90s. The Matrix set him. He was great. You know, uh, he did the Al Pacino movie, The Devil, uh, the Devil's Advocate. I mean, he was, he was a big-time guy. His celebrity faded to a point where he couldn't get any work. Uh, John Wick actually resurrected his career. So it's good to see that out there. It's good to see, um, you know, in general, uh, him out there. And uh, they debuted the trailer. So really, really great article about comic conventions. And we're going to get into it with Derek Becker, who's coming up in the next segment. But we essentially, you know, um, we talk about the conventions. And first of all, New York Comic Con, definitely uh, over the top with, um, you know, People, attendance, the energy is palpable. The cosplay is also uh, pretty, pretty intense and stuff like that. Uh, but it's definitely a mix now. And I and and Reed Pop director Mike Armstrong, um, you know, told Mashable, you know, the thing I like about our show is that it's a big show that still feels like a local show. There's something about our crowd that's just filled with wonder when they're at one of these shows. Uh, and it's true, absolutely true. When it began in 2006, New York Comic Con took up the basement of the Javits Center, was famously shut down by a fire marshal. Um, four years ago, New York Comic Con occupied the whole convention center and has now spread supplemental venues at Madison Square Garden, Hammerstein, and Bowen. So it continues to grow and grow and grow. But then there's another article from The Hollywood Reporter talking about the one effect to these comic conventions now is a proliferation of fan events where Marvel movie heroes and Walking Dead stars walk away with six figures. More than most get paid for their real jobs for a weekend's work. So check this out, actually. Uh, Stephen Amell from Green Arrow, or Arrow, sorry, just Arrow. Um, he gets he gets in the upwards, reportedly, of $250,000 for a weekend appearance. And that is actually more than he makes per episode for Arrow. He denies that figure. Um, for conventions where stars can take home hundreds of thousands of dollars in exchange for a few hours of time, once were the domain of has-beens and sci-fi novelties, but now the business has become so lucrative. Think half a million dollars for Chris Evans from Captain America or Norman Reedus from Walking Dead. The current TV and film stars are popping up at events like Salt Lake City Comic Con and Heroes and Villains Fan Fest. The demand has become so overwhelming, agencies have now added personal appearance agents just to sift through the hundreds of annual events, book talent, and score their perfect 10% uh, 10 commission. It's pretty outrageous, right? Uh, and Stephen Amell says, if somebody wanted to do a convention every weekend, they could make more on the convention circuit than their episodic fee says Stephen Amell, who became so enamored that he started his own talent agency, WFA Entertainment, to help actors navigate the space and score a buck for himself. He's a smart entrepreneur. He can't go wrong with it. He should go on uh, uh, Joan and uh, JC's show, uh, 21st Century Entrepreneur, Fridays 
noon Eastern on TalkingAlternative.com. The actor, who is said to have irked traditional agents by competing with them, says he wanted to control the whole front and back end of my operation. I didn't see a need for representation. One source deeply involved in the convention circuit estimates Amel walks away with $250,000 for a weekend. I did not make $250,000 sitting at a convention uh, for four days. I am absolutely wiped from it. Um, but I would do it for two hundred fifty. dollars I would do it for like two twenty-five thousand dollars for twenty-five hundred. Give me two hundred fifty bucks. I'll I'll do it. Um, but the question here is, and this is what we're going to get into next segment with Derek Becker. Um, you know, is the age of the comic book celebrity at conventions over? I mean, is this basically are we done? Uh, you know, filling rooms with people that used to draw comics because the people that are at these shows now they're not they're not comic book fans. They 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 they're fans of the art. They're fans of dressing up. They're fans of the experience. Uh, some people are just diehard TV show fans, diehard film fans. They want to know, like, the Marvel movies are great. The Justice League movies are great. But they couldn't tell you, you know, what happened in Justice League issue number 615. They couldn't tell you uh, what happened in the recent Captain America number one because Marvel... Um, Excuse me. Redoes everything over the phone. Uh, does everything. Sorry. Redoes all their comic books. In, you know, they just relaunch all their comic books. So, um, you know, they definitely they don't know this stuff. They just go there for the experience. So now you have these booking and um, these guests. You know, coming on like Steve Amell, like Norman Reed. Norman Reedus is at every single show. James Marsters. Um, th- you know, bless his soul, played Spike on the Buffy. You know, um, comic book series. He uh, a cartoon. Uh, see, this is this is the New York Comic Con burnout uh, on the TV series. He's at every show that Wizard World puts on. He's like he's a Wizard World like tour lifer. And I, I mean, I guess he's not acting anymore, so he's got to make money. He probably makes like ten grand an appearance. Does ten shows, you make a hundred grand. You're living okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I hope he saves some of that Buffy money. So, yeah, so when we, you know, when we come back, we're going to talk with Derek Becker. He, uh, he runs a great podcast called Comic Pros and Cons, uh, and we're going to go into it in detail. Is the age of the comic book celebrity dead? Uh, we're also going to talk about Walking Dead. We're also going to talk about Power Rangers movie. Keep those Power Rangers comments coming in because I'd love to hear your thoughts. Did Power Rangers go too dark? Did you see the trailer? Did we need to have another John Wick movie? And did Walking Dead give away too much, or are you just equally just as excited when we return? You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
Welcome back. TalkingAlternative.com. We do this every week. We talk comics, movies, TV, music, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on TalkingAlternative.com. Uh, we also stream it on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. And uh, we also have a Patreon page. So if you like our stuff, go to MichaelDolce.com. That's me. I'm your host, Michael Dolce. Uh, D-O-L-C-E, like Dolce & Gabbana. It'll take you right to our Patreon page. Want your name shouted out on the interwebs? Go to MichaelDolce.com. Check out our Patreon page. Donate a quarter a show, and I'll give you a shout-out on air, like I did to all of our Patreon backers. Um, plus, you'll be recognized on our website's SecretsOfTheSire.com. $2 patrons get a copy of the show outline before we go to air and access to our library of interviews like Kevin Bacon, Chris Cornell, and more. I just posted an interview with Koi Bowles of Zach Brown Band last week and got some more cool exclusive interviews coming as well, too. Um, $5 guys get to get on the exclusive feed, which is which is actually pretty awesome, too. Uh, don't forget this is a live call-in show as well, too. We love all of our Facebook viewers. We love all of our, of our um, Periscope viewers. Uh, but you can call in directly, 877-480-4120, and you can talk movies, comics in general. Um, today we're talking near Comic-Con. Derek, are you there? Yep, we're getting feedback from Derek. See, this is a live call-in show. That's the kind of the fun part. All right, he's going to call in. We got technical. I'll just talk and rant because that's what I like. Uh, Melissa Wong actually tweeted it in, The Power Rangers trailers looked fun to me. The new actors are definitely appealing to a more international audience. Well, funny you mentioned the international audience. You have to have it. You have to have diversity. Um, but I don't mind this. I don't mind that at all. Like, I don't mind the fact that uh, when you do it right, diversity is, is an awesome thing, and it's a powerful thing, right? And I think Power Rangers, look, that could be anybody behind the, the, the mask, uh, the, the absurd helmet mask, I guess, of, of Power Rangers. Sorry, Craig Crusoe, I can't help it. I, I was like in eighth grade when Power Rangers were huge and couldn't, couldn't figure it out. All right, Derek, you there? Oh, we're almost there. Oh, the live radio. The fun, the fun stuff. I wonder how people think when they listen to this on the podcast or the video after, and they're like, eh, it's dead air. What happened? It's dead air. No, I, I'll fill it as best I can. Um, but again, talking about the diversity angle in, in Power Rangers. Power Rangers makes total sense to have it. No reason not to have it in that. So I think that's a pretty good thing. Uh, we also talked Walking Dead a little bit now, too. Um, and we also talked about stars getting like half a million dollars to appear. And is it going to lead to these Comic-Con bubbles bursting because, you know, if these have fan appearances, if these appearances from actors keep going up and up, I don't know how these conventions can actually stick around. I mean, Wizard World posted a loss last year. They overexpanded. And they've also overextended the brand. I mean, the brand itself is, you know, just so, ugh, just not very good at all um, anymore. I mean, it's become like this, this thing where comic creators are just not... I mean, they're, they're overlooked. Like, they're, they're second-class citizens when it comes to that. Any Wizard World show that I've heard. Now, I went to Wizard <laughs> Philadelphia, and that was a, not a bad show at all. We get the fun, uh, fun live. <laughs> Derek, you there? No, we're having some technical difficulties here, but we're going to work through this. I think the soundboard went to New York Comic Con and is also tired. Derek, you there? Well, we're not getting feedback, so that's a good thing. This is this is exciting live radio for everybody as well, too. Um, but anyway, um, you know, the convention bubble is is something that we really I've talked about on the show before, though. I mean, the fan appearances go up. Some of these conventions can't afford to to, to attract these actors. Comic book creators are second class citizens. We're not being we're not promoting them anymore. We're promoting the characters, and that's a good thing. But at the same time, maybe. It's not. I mean, maybe at the end of the day, one day you're just going to watch 
you know, Avengers 7, and you're going to be like, you know what, I'm kind of tired of this now. And then where does that leave the comic conventions? I mean, I guess it'll just go out of business like anything else. Uh, we welcome at Jersey Jedi on Periscope. Um, apologies to Derek Becker. We're actually having some technical difficulties. Um, can you hear anything? See, this is, this is the fun part of doing live radio, right? I mean, anything can happen. Um, we're trying to get you on there to talk about this. We're going to talk about Walking Dead. We want to talk about Power Rangers. Uh, and, and quite frankly, if I was a little more awake from, from going to the convention, I could be more lively to all of our people. I want to welcome at Jersey Jedi, who just joined us as well, too, uh, on the Periscope feed. Um, you can always get us on the Periscope feed is at Michael underscore Dolce. Uh, you can get us in the Facebook feed as well, too. Uh, one of the things that we, we think about, too, you know, is the intensity for these shows kind of dying out now, too? I mean, has it kind of reached this point, or, is it, or, or can it keep going? I mean, where else can New York Comic Con go? I mean, at the end of the day, right? I mean, at, where, where else can New York Comic Con go? That's the other question, right? Um, we welcome at Jimmy Jam 9, talking Power Rangers, talking New York Comic Con, talking the convention bubble, talking about the celebrity comic book creator, and is that, is that at an end now? I mean, celebrity, I mean, years past, Jim Lee used to pack an entire convention you could build an entire convention around jim lee um a convention that i'm going to in two weeks the new jersey comic book expo not two weeks in a month that's my dates all messed up you know they did build their entire convention around jim lee it was a traditional comic book show it also didn't draw the kind of attendance that you would normally get you know at some of these larger shows now you know stan lee is maybe the last is is maybe the only celebrity comic book creator left i mean that's got to be the only thing i can think of right um, Stan Lee being one of them. Jim Lee, I guess, is a draw. Frank Miller would be a draw. I mean, these are iconic guys, but they're not necessarily guys that I'm going to go out of my way. The, the the normal, average, everyday convention goer is going to dress up like any sexy vixen, which we which we welcome and encourage, because quite frankly, that's that's a that's a nice part about going to these conventions. They're going to do their thing. Uh, they're not going to really... They'll know who Stan Lee is. Everyone knows who Stan Lee is, right? I mean, everyone raise our hands. This is, okay, again, live radio, so you can't see me, but if you're on the Periscope or the uh, Facebook feed, you can. You're going to see Stan Lee. That's good. You're going to see Jim Lee, maybe. Uh, does anybody know who J. Scott Campbell is? He was only the biggest artist in the world 15 years ago. Uh, does anybody know the awesome stuff that Mark Brooks is doing? You know, Mark Brooks fans do. Um, but, you know, I mean, the real spectacle of it is if you walk around Artist Alley right now, and you go through the aisles of Artist Alley at New York Comic Con, you have people that have never worked on any Marvel productions. People have never worked on any DC productions. And their tables are just as jam-packed as, like, Chris Claremont's table. Uh, you know, or Jim Calafuri, who's been working furiously in this industry for years, a veteran of this industry. Mar the Mark McKenna's, uh, you know, Ben Templesmith. You know, again, his style and art, but you wouldn't know that, he, you know, he worked on 30 Days a Night. You just wouldn't. I mean, it's just that's that's what these comic shows have kind of come to. So now you have these fan appearances, uh, sorry, not fan appearance, but stars appearances, getting like half a million dollars. How are these conventions? Oh, see, Melissa Wong said chimes in. I do. I know who these people are. Yes, I. Yes, I. I know. Us diehards know it. Um, but I mean, according to multiple, multiple sources who are familiar with convention deals, the basic guarantee rate for genre stars is five to ten thousand dollars per appearance. Um, with leads on such current TV series as The Walking Dead, Once Upon a Time, Supernatural, Vampire Diaries, Netflix, Marvel shows, and CW's DC Comics, they get thirty-five thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and up. 
Depending on their popularity and the frequency with which they appear at top conventions, it's not uncommon for a star to earn anywhere from 50000 to 100000 on top of their guarantee. On top of that. It's like their booking fee and on top of that. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Uh, absolutely crazy. So I think we got this locked in. I think we're going to get Derek Becker. So we're going to go to commercial real quick. And we're going to get this thing um, lodged in because, quite frankly, I'm, I'm using all my good material now and, and we don't have anybody on the other line. So when we come back, Derek Becker, Comic Pros and Comms. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. Oh, gotta love live radio. Anything can happen. This is not just a podcast. I'm I'm always curious what's going to end up happening when people actually listen to this as a podcast. Maybe not our maybe not our best showing, but uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna pick it up in this in this uh, next segment here. Derek, are you there? I am here. Can you oh, hear me? Oh, God bless. We made it. We made it. We made it. <laughs> well, so basically, I answered all the questions I was going to ask you, so you can hang up now. We're done now. <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, you know, the great thing is, I didn't hear any of it, so we're good. It was, it was gold, I'm telling you. It was just gold, quality stuff. All right, so Derek hosts the weekly podcast, Comic Pros and Cons. It focuses on comic creators and conventions. So, I mean, perfect guest to have on in our, in our near Comic-Con aftermath. Um, and, and the first question i got to ask you, in your opinion... You know, is the age of the celebrity comic book creator over? Uh, no. No. All no, right. I, Let's see it. No, I don't. I I don't think so. Although it is interesting because there are so many more creators. Creators are are a lot more accessible now mm-hmm. than what they ever used to be before. So I think that's one of the biggest differences. However, and the reason I'm going to say no is for as many creators as I've talked to and had the honor to, to interview or just speak to it at a show, I still fanboy out a little bit here and there. Sure. And, you know, when, like, I, there's certain creators that when I meet them, I'm not going to be able to hold back. So I, I think you're going to always have that bit of celebrity, you know, comic creator out there. I don't think you can get away with it. But are you talking about maybe tiers of comic book creator? You know, because I, I, let's, let's rewind like 10 years ago to 
any like Wizard World Chicago was a big thing. San Diego Comic Con was a big thing. New York Comic Con was just barely, you know, um, barely off the ground. It, it didn't didn't you know had its first year in two thousand six. I mean, you would basically to draw anyone to your show, you'd get maybe one or two celebrity guests. Usually their their appearance fee was like around ten grand, and that was like okay, that was the tip of our budget. We don't have a budget for this. And so you would do like, let's get all the comic creators in, let's give them free tables and people will come because people, you know, who read comics are going to come, they're going to do it. I feel like now, you know, these shows have gotten so big now too that, you know, your average cosplayer, your average like, you know, hey, I heard about this Comic-Con thing, I want to go check it out, has no idea, you know, who's drawing Batman, who's, I barely even know who's drawing Batman nowadays. Well, Greg Capullo, I know that. (laughs) Um, You know, so... You know, that's where I'm kind of coming from with that. But you think you think otherwise. You think it's you know we do we have the next group of comic book creators that are attracting people and worth going to see? Oh yes, definitely. the 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 amount of talent out there is insane right now. But you know the the great thing in it's tough because I want to go and, and I want to just hibernate in, in Artist Alley, and that's all I really want to do. I, I think the celebrities are neat, mm-hmm. um, and I'm glad that they're there, that they draw people in. But you gotta you gotta look at it this way, you know. You've got this, you've got the celebrities there, you've got the cosplay there, and then you have a whole group of people that are in the look at me generation, sure. and they want to have a cool avatar on their social media. They want to have pictures to show their friends. Mm-hmm. I got a picture with somebody dressed up like this. Yeah, was at New York Comic Con. Those are the people that this huge vast pool of talent that's out there right now their job is to draw these people in to the comics that they're creating and it's not just about batman it's not just about you know it's not just about iron man it's about all of the independent comics that are out there too and i think that's really where it is but you know the great thing is is because it is such a an in-touch society that we live in now where social media makes everyone so attainable yeah anyone really can be a celebrity no well, that, matter of how you want to look at it. That's a great point, too, because, I mean, at the same time, like, you know, I'll do sketches at my table. Uh, I, you know, I never worked on Spider-Man or Batman or whatever. I, I drew a really cool Superman sketch for somebody, and the kid was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing. Like, the mother was like, you know, and that gave me, you know, obviously filled me with um, a lot of, you know, joy and happiness to, to draw Superman and, and, and to, to make some kid's day. But, you know, in, in a sense, he doesn't know me from John Romita Jr., who's actually working on Superman right now. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's kind of the, that's kind of the, the 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 thing that I'm kind of I'm kind of seeing. And you actually you hit on it though, right? I mean, anybody can be a celebrity. Like even me. I mean, look at me, right? I'm I'm pretty huge. <laughs> well, you know, you, you you've got a podcast. You draw comics. You know, I mean, to that kid, he's going to be talking about you for right. for years to come. And you might have just created your own super fan that will follow you no matter what it is you do. You don't right. know. It really makes it it makes it so much more interesting these days in terms of I, I was just talking to Sam beforehand. I was like, I wish I was doing these conventions at twenty one because a grassroots movement at twenty one for your own creator own book is it takes on completely different meaning now than what it did ten ten, fifteen years ago. I mean you could you could literally live off of I mean, there are people just living off Kickstarter, you know, who have this great online following and then they go to the shows and they just kinda amp it up from there. It's crazy. Yeah, but 10, 15 years ago, we didn't have crowdfunding like we do now. No, absolutely. It's, I mean, that's the thing. I, I, I wish we did. All right, what do you, what, what's your impression of conventions in general, though? I mean, are we oversaturated at this point? Has Wizard World completely, you know, desaturated the market for these conventions, uh, you know, or, or is it 
I mean, at what point does it does it hit a limit as to how much more it can grow? When does the bubble burst? That's really the question that, that we've all been talking. And and I don't think that I, I'm not going to put the blame on Wizard World for oversaturating because Wizard World has definitely franchised the the, the convention scene. Yeah. But you look, there's a convention every weekend that I could go to in the Midwest and not ever have to get on an airplane. Yeah. Um, is it too much? Yes. But I think the cream is going to rise to the top, you know, and, and you're going to start to see them fall away. Um, I have a feeling that you're going to start to see the convention split, where you're going to have conventions that are only comic conventions. Mm-hmm. You're going to have only, like, toy conventions. You're going to have only... Celebrity conventions. So you're already starting to see it a little bit with heroes well, and villains. And they just did like um, EW. Just did, Entertainment Weekly just I, did uh, Pop Fest, right? Entertainment Weekly just did Pop Fest, where they just basically invited a bunch of celebrities down in LA, where they're you know where they have offices, and they're like, yeah, let's just make a two day. I mean, even they're like even now, magazine publishers are basically you know following the wizard format and saying you know uh, print is dying. We should probably become like an entity. Like they're all becoming like entities now. Yeah, I, I also don't see print dying, but that's me. Um, <laughs> you know, well, the, the other thing, though, I think that's interesting, what is actually going to have a huge effect on these is the new law that was passed in California about mm-hmm. having to have a certificate of authenticity for any autograph that you pay more than $5 for. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Ta- talk to us so about that. Now, I haven't actually heard that at all. Oh, yeah. This is this is going to mess with a lot of people because how how is San Diego going to deal with this? Hmm. Well, uh, explain explain the law, though. Explain what that means to people that might not understand that. Okay, so basically from what my understanding, and again, I have not read this 100% through, but basically what this law is, is that if you are selling an autograph or you're paying for an autograph, you have to give them a certificate of authenticity mm. filled out with who bought it, who the witness was, who signed sure. it, date. There's so much information that has to go into it. So now my question is, for someone like you, if you're at San Diego Comic-Con right. and you sell a comic book for $5 and then you sign it, yep. do you still have to pay that or do you only have, or fill that out or do you only have to fill that out if you signed it before you sold it? There's some weird stuff, but then you also have to keep these records, uh, paper records, for like seven years. So now any comic book that I've ever had autographed, if I want to resell it, yeah. I have to go have proof of who signed it where. Sure. You know, it's only for California, but... That's the kind of stuff that's really going to screw up the comic book convention as we know it now, and you might actually see it start going back to true comic books and not going for an autograph session all day long. Wow. That actually does kind of mess with the flow of what a you know comic convention is. I mean, because that's one of the big things I do when I sell my books. I, I basically say to them, hey, do you want me to autograph it too? And they always say yes, and I always feel a sense of pride because I'm like, all right, my mom feels good about me now. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> uh, but that's the thing. Like, so if I have to start filling out more paperwork, I, artists are not very good uh, bookkeepers. My wife can attest to this. Uh, so I can't imagine that can be helpful to it. Um, moving on real quick, though, what do you think? You talked about San Diego. What's the bigger show these days? Is it San Diego or is it New York? Because, quite frankly, in, in the number of people, New York actually, I think, beats out San Diego. But I think... You know, what is the big show? I actually got a, a more of sense of excitement and thrill walking the floor of New York than I did San Diego this year. But what are your thoughts and, you know, what are you hearing from the from the community as to what's the bigger show? It depends on what you like. If mm-hmm. you actually like comic books, then New York is the show. Yeah. 
if you like sitcoms that have nothing to do with anything else, <laughs> um, you know, it, then go to the place that has the How I Met Your Mother panel. Right. Um, right. You know, so San Diego is still huge. But oh, yeah. It's, San Diego, to me, is is not the same as the rest of the shows out there. To be fair, I've yet to make it to either one. Ah. It will happen. However, yeah, you're good. I have get no there. interest in going to San Diego. I have all the interest in the world of going to New York. I got to say. That to me is, is everything. But when you look at, you know, yes, they still have a lot of pop culture at New mm-hmm. York, but it tends to be much more geared towards the comic book world. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like I said, San Diego, it's whatever they can get because LA is right there. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, you look at attendance. I want to say that San Diego cast out at 141,000 and I, uh, New York sold 185,000. Yeah. Yeah, but what about uh, Arizona Con recently? Just like blew up. I I, I saw something where they had like two hundred thousand, like it was like the most bought ticket, you know, around. I, I was reading some article about that. Have you heard about that? The uh, Phoenix no. Comic Con. I think it was Phoenix Comic Con in June was like some sort of massive amounts of tickets. I mean, I wonder if they're just like forging. You know, maybe they need a certificate of authenticity for all the for all the for the people that might have actually walked <laughs> through the door. Um, you know, it also it also depends on on how you how you count the tickets too. And I don't know that everyone counts on the same because some people will count a three-day pass as three tickets. Mm-hmm. Some people right. will count that as right. one. Um, you also have the situation where somebody couldn't get a three-day pass or four-day pass, and mm-hmm. but maybe they only wanted to go on Friday and Sunday. Right. So is that two people or is that still one? Um, it's not a perfect science. It doesn't need to be. No, but no I don't think. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think there, there's any gambling going on as to as to the numbers. So, but there will be if there's a Vegas. You know, a very. I mean, there is a Vegas Comic Con. But if there was, a, if it ever became big, we could have we could have over under. Um, all right. So the big panels at New York Comic Con, the Power Rangers premiere. Um, were you a Power Rangers fan as a kid? Uh, you know, I wasn't. Um, I, Mike, I think I've actually got a couple years on you. Oh, good. So, um, <laughs> yeah, listening, li- listening to you, you earlier, young. I was sitting there going, yeah, no, Power Rangers came out, I want to say, when I was in college. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was the age of the kids on Man, that Man, you're show. ancient, dude, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't remind my fiancé of that. No, I was going to say, um, you did well, dude, good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good work. <laughs> But I will say the trailer is intriguing to me. But I did find it funny that um, that that you referenced Chronicle in that as well because that's the first thing I saw. Well, that's I mean that's what everyone's kind of making the comparison to, right? Because now I guess the kids have the powers as well too, and it's you know it's gritty, it's real time, and it's you know that kind of thing. So uh, it's a natural leap for a lot of people. But I don't think that's a bad thing either, right? No, no. I mean. You're, the nice thing with this, and, and I shouldn't say this because this goes against some of the, like, I look at some of the things that I don't want them to touch or change, but with this, the direction that they're going, I would not have gone to see it if it was typical campy Power Rangers like I was used to seeing. This, I'm interested now. Yeah. And I think you're still going to draw all your regular Power Ranger fans anyway, because it's kind of like... Sure. It's, it's, it's like me with the with certain, you know, other mainstream comic books things it's like oh my god i know this is gonna suck but i'm still gonna pay to go see it sure absolutely it, it, it kind of to me reminds me of like transformers kind of coming on screen also because i mean obviously it's a little different because it wasn't you know uh live action but and then it became live action which was transformers but i kind of felt like 
you know, it was it, it evolved from and it, and it managed to take a lot of the things in the in the first Transformers movie that I loved about the cartoon series. It had Optimus Prime's voice, you know, it had Bumblebee, it had things that you know were recognizable to me as Transformers. So as long as they keep it recognizable to the original fans, and then you have people like me who ridiculed it when I was a kid, I would actually go see it now because it's like okay, it is something new and different. Uh, you wanted to talk Walking Dead. Um, but we don't want to get too far into it. Do you have a theory? And we'll we'll give the spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. These are these are actually not spoilers, but these are theories. But they could be you know construed as spoilers to anybody listening. Do you have a theory on who gets it uh, on the other end of Negan's bat when we uh, when we join them in season seven? You know I do, but I'm not going to share that part of it. The, okay. The, the part that I'm curious about that I keep hearing people talking about, uh, starting with my fiance who sent me the spoiler of the the trailer because uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. she was at that panel yep um, wow she made it out there good job all the way in yeah. msg yeah and but you know the the one thing that she she mentioned you know and and here is a spoiler for people that haven't read the comics but this part was early on she goes when did rick lose his hand and i was like oh god are they going to cut his hand off and that's kind of what they're they're teasing but my question is is that they've always been really good are they putting that out there as a red herring, or are they actually going to cut off his hand? You know, it's funny, because Kirkman said in an interview a couple years ago about that, and he's like, look, there are things we can do in a comic that we just can't do you know, in a TV show, because there's like a limited budget, and there's also just like things that you know just make sense, like logistically, like there's a scene where in the comics where Rick climbs on top of a car, and but we just, we open up the comic book, and he's on top of a car. But I didn't actually think that, um, you know, I didn't actually think it was something that would, you know, could, it was a good excuse. I didn't think it was like a legit excuse. I'm like, no, you could, you could cut his hand off and be just fine. Like, there's no, there's no issue with that. So if they are teasing his hand getting cut off, that's kind of cool. In the original comic books, though, it was definitely, um, you know, it was the governor and it was all this other, you know, fun stuff that actually did it. But um, in... In, if they're going to switch it around and do Negan, I, I, it leads me to the next question. Are, are they going to switch around who gets it? Because we all know who gets it in the comics, if you've read the comic, and we won't share that. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's going to be someone different? Uh, I I kind of think that it will be somebody different. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I don't know. Like like My gut tells me to stick with the comic, but every time that I, I believe that, um, they, they change it up. And, it, and there's enough massive differences between the comic and the show. I mean, in the comic, you know, Andrea is still my favorite character. And yeah. I don't know anybody that likes the show that would have ever, ever said that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that, too. I mean, I think it's definitely something that's that's big. John Wick, we also covered John Wick a little bit. Um, did you watch the original movie? Are you a fan of John Wick 2? Uh, here's, here's where I'm going to be terrible. I didn't see the first one. I haven't even seen the trailer for the second one yet. You're called Comic Pros and Cons. What's going on here, bud? <laughs> no, I'm you kidding. You know, I, I actually, I told you, Prince not dead, and it's not going to die, but that's because I read the comics more than I watch the movies and the shows. That makes sense. So TV show, real quick, because we're actually running out of time. And I do apologize for the technical difficulties we had earlier, because we wanted to have you on for a, a longer block of time. But um, No problem. Um, best Marvel Netflix show out there right now. Luke Cage, Daredevil, what do you think? Weigh in on that. Uh, I'm a Daredevil fan all day long. Uh, in fact, I have uh, original art of yours. Of the, it, was, it was just your little warm-up sketch you did uh, that's right. a couple years ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, although, speaking of Marvel, that Iron Fist trailer, man, I'm, I'm excited about that. Looks pretty cool, right? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that is that is going to be amazing. So um, I'm loving it. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you. I think Daredevil is probably the best one overall. Um, I I think that um, you know, like Jessica Jones was a was a mind. Eh, I don't know if I can swear on your show or not. Sure, <laughs> it's internet radio. Who cares? Yeah, it, I got that, people on Periscope Jessica swearing Jones at me right now. So who cares? Yeah, <laughs> Jessica Jones was a complete and total mind fuck, and I and I loved it for that. And Luke Cage was one of the best character-driven stories I've seen in a long time. So I think they're all winners. I think so, too. All right, Derek Becker, um, give us your social media handles. Tell us where we can find you and um, when your show airs. And you know, I know you have the podcast, so we record it. And, and you know how people, can, how people can get a hold of you and your podcast. Uh, people can find me online at comicprosandcons.com. Uh, Facebook. Look up Comic Pros and Cons, uh, Instagram and Twitter. I think it's Comic Pros Cons. Mm-hmm. So find me there. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well, which is weird, but I'm I'm there. So I find LinkedIn actually being very good for for the comic book community. It's really it's strange, right? You wouldn't think it would be, but it is. Yeah, it's fantastic, and uh, and, and I'm I'm loving it. Uh, as far as my show, it comes out. Every Wednesday, it's actually posted at 5 a.m. Wednesday morning. Dear God. New comic book day, new podcast day. It's there for you when you get up in the morning. So awesome. download it, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher, whichever one. Never miss an episode. And they're always free, just like your show, Mike. Excellent. And I'll be on your show next week. So you'll get a double dose, and hopefully you can you know block me out for like 15 minutes or something like that just to make up for the time <laughs> we lost today. <laughs> We're going to cut your segment a little short. Awesome. Yeah. Derek Becker, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. All right, we've had a great show. Before we before we sign off for good tonight, though, I want to give a shout-out to the real pop culture hero out there, which we didn't get a chance to get into, but Ken Bone from the uh, from the <laughs> debates, which is a laughable reality show. Um, he's the Halloween, co- Halloween costume. Obviously, it's going to happen. We'll talk about Ken Bone next week, if he's still an Internet sensation by next week. Um, but next week, we're going to tackle Walking Dead in style. We're joined by the letterer of Walking Dead, Russ Wooten. Talk about what? Who might be on the other end of Negan's bat? Would they dare kill off Norman Reedus? We go straight to the source next week on Secrets of the Sire. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business and your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21stCE Radio or Talk Alternative. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. 
For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 